And hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Defending the Kingdom. Mitch Holtis with you, a voice of the Chiefs, along with the man that we call The Shop. Also, the barber and barber shop, which is taking on a whole new meaning now, my friend, or the spider. But back to the barber shop. If somebody doesn't cut my hair soon, I'm going to look like Will Ferrell and Jackie Moon in that old ABA movie or Dr. J when he was playing for the Virginia Squires because this is getting out of hand. Shop. Yeah, man, I'm here, uh, you know, bunkered down with the barber, the barber crew. Uh, I got enough heads here to uh, be cutting every day and still not catch up. Uh, I, I got my hair covered because uh, many moons ago, uh, some of the old Redskin teammates told me when you you have to keep it covered, cut, or combed. And I used to let it dread up and everything. And one time they sat me down off of a bed and cut my hair off, and it's been I've been keeping it low profiled ever since. But if you, if you need me to, one time I'll come by and maybe uh, you know when the social distancing is over, give you a little roundup. You know, get you looking fresh and clean like me. Yeah, I tried the spags. That didn't work so good. That's gone. And now this hair's out of crazy. So I may have to just cover it uh, as we get ready for the draft next week. But this is our last look at the position group. We've taken two months in looking at this Chiefs team coming off the Super Bowl 54 championship and looking ahead to 2020, uh, considering the protocol we're in. And before we roll into everything, uh, Shop, you and I, our families both feel the same way. Just prayers up and continue to keep the faith and hope. Um, stay stay at home, follow the protocols, uh, and we'll get this whipped. But we just kind of kind of stay on it. So, And we'll keep living by faith. But we're going to jump into the wide receiver core. Now, every week I've worn some attire to represent the group that we're talking about. Remember I had the Tuskegee Airmen going on and well today right. it's, it's the old track warm up and don't laugh dog. Cause this is when I won the four by two in the JV <laughs> relays running the two leg. So give me some, you know, give me some, uh, you know, some love here and some grace, but here's what happened because this chiefs team, uh, here's what's happened. This chiefs team is a four by one relay team with an alternate. And the alternate can run in the four by two, and whoever doesn't run in the four by two can run in the in the medley relay, and we're going to win all three and get thirty points in the track meet. Because here's what happens when you put a track team at wide receiver. Here's what happens: you get a Super Bowl championship. Okay, so that's where we're at with this wide receiver core. Because welcome to this podcast of defending the kingdom, because it is going to center on the Legion of Zoom. Hey, man, speed demons is something, is a term and a phrase, the legion of Zoom, the legion. The, those guys have, have redefined it. I've followed uh, my man Jet, Nicole Hardman, on, on Twitter a little bit. I saw he got into a Twitter battle with uh, one of the track guys back in Georgia about <laughs> who's the fastest, about who would beat who. And basically told him, man, there's a difference between track speed and football speed. And anybody who's played the game of football and ran track know there's a completely different um, pace of the game to be able to cut, change direction, to be able to be a football player as opposed to run straight line speed. But we do have a core of wide receivers who I think you put a baton in their hand and they could give any college track team a run for their money. That straight line speed is amazing. When when we when we stretch the team vertical, it opens up all kind of underneath things for Kelsey and our running backs. Um, but we do have the fastest uh, when you talk about four or five receivers in the league. When you talk about the wide receiver room at the Kansas City Chiefs, let's just talk about the results of these guys last year alone. 
30-plus plays. Tyreek Hill had nine, uh, eight in the regular season, and he missed 23 quarters. Okay, that's ridiculous. In his career, he's had 19 50-plus plays. Mm. Now, let's go right down the line. Watkins had six 30-plus plays, three in the regular season, three in the playoffs. Uh, McCole Hardman had seven 30-plus plays all in the regular season. Uh, D-Rob had three 30-plus plays all in the regular season. And between these guys, throw in Pringle now, who had over 100 yards receiving against the Colts. D-Rob had a 100-yard big game against Oakland at 172. Watkins had one in the playoffs against Tennessee at 114. The 197 against Jacksonville. And Tyreek Hill, missing all that time, still had two in the regular season of 100-yard receiving games and the 105 game in the Super Bowl, including the Wasp of 44 yards. I mean, this is just a big play team that terrifies opponents, and every one of these cats can hit you for a home run on every snap. What does that do to a defense playing against them? Man, what it does, it puts you on your heels. It puts you so you're not confident. Down after down, series after series, you you feel like you you, you got control of the game. You feel like defensively we got them where we want them. And then all of a sudden, 66 out the gate, it's a touchdown. And before you know it, you give up three big plays and you go in at halftime and it's 21 points on the board. And you feel like, except for those three plays, you've played uh, 20 snaps of really good defense of football, but you're behind the eight ball when it comes to the scoreboard. So those type of big play capabilities, that big play scoring opportunity that the Chiefs offense and their wide receivers have been able to take advantage of, it loosens the defense up. And even when you're playing sound defense, when you look up at the scoreboard, it's totally demoralizing. It's disheartening. You're going at halftime and you're starting to talk about, what are we going to do differently? What are we going to do to change it up? We can't we can't give up another 21 points, but 90% of the snaps have been great defense. It's It's it, it's just amazing how that messes with your mentality when you give up the big play. And we'll throw in there six wide receivers right now on the last seven because Felton Davis is on there. And I'm not counting Jody Fortson. He's listed as a wide receiver, but he's really this kind of wide receiver tight end combo. Go back and look at the Defending Kingdom archive and the tight ends, and you'll get some Jody Fortson uh, comments here. And by the way, congratulations to Gary Dieter on this roster, a new baby girl for him and Meg. Oh, uh, so, yeah, this just happened, man, like day before yesterday or yesterday. So fresh news there, a new uh, baby girl for the uh, Dieter family. But of the 2,696 regular season receiving yards, 2,690 return for 2020. Only the six yards from DeAnthony Thomas uh, is all that is not coming back. And for this group, again, exciting because I think there's an upside to every one of these guys. Let me ask you about Tyreek Hill first, the cheetah. We know that he is going to win the 100-meter open uh, plus anchor the 4 by one Sorry, McColl, you can run number one. That's just where we're at right now. But Tyreek Hill, in his route running, you go back and watch the Wasp. That route is awesome. He reminds me, and he and I have had personal talks about this, and I just love it where he's going with his mind because he wants to jump to the next level. But you remember Antonio Brown in his prime was almost mm -hmm. uncoverable. Well, now you take his speed and an Antonio Brown or a Marvin Harrison kind of guy and running routes, man, he is almost impossible to cover mid-range, mid-range, deep range because of his route running ability. Yeah, it, it's one of those uh, the scenarios that it works so well in Andy Reid's offense. It works so well when you have a quarterback as accurate as Pat Mahomes because you can't you can't outrun Pat's arm. Some sometimes with a certain receiver because they're so fast, if the quarterback doesn't throw it by the the third or fourth step, 
where the receivers outrun the quarterback's arm when the quarterback can throw it only 50 or 60 yards. But we can use um, Cheetah sometimes as a third option on the go route because Pat's arm is so strong. Usually when you're defending a guy with top-end speed, if the quarterback isn't looking his way beyond 10 yards, you pretty much know the quarterback ain't going to get it to him. Or he, or at least he's not going to utilize his top-end speed. But with our offense, we can look to Sammy Watkins. We can look to Travis Kelsey. And then we can have Cheetah on the back end of a play, on the backside, running a go route. And Pat's arm is strong enough, as we saw in the preseason game when he threw it uh, about 60 or 70 yards of air distance. Um, that Those kind of throws are just... Uh, they're uncalled for. They're they're unbelievable. And when you're playing defense, you just you can't believe somebody can actually throw the pigskin that long, that far, with so much velocity and accuracy. Um, that it surprises you on all three levels. But the cheetah's taken pride in his route running. He running routes like he does not have four two speed, and that's what I love about him. All right, now Watkins, you mentioned him. So the other thing I was just with the upside of these guys of like I get asked a lot, uh, whether it's on social media or just on other shows, is what's the next step for these guys? And for Ty, uh, I'm just saying maybe availability. He missed 23 quarters last year. I mean, that's four games the dude missed. And if he's just if he's there for 16 games or how many we're going to play this year, I mean, just imagine the production that goes up just by him being available in those games. Yeah, looking at his social media, you can tell – He's a he's a muscular, high strung guy, right? He's he's put together, um, like like we said, pound for pound, one of the strongest uh, receivers in the league. But when you add his speed, his quickness, his uh, that immediate change of direction, there are route backyard routes that this guy can run that are going to be uncomfortable on, on so many levels. And then when you talk about that playmaking ability, the vertical leap, the hang time when balls are 50-50 balls, it's Again, we, we say it over and over again. He's unguardable one-on-one, so he's always going to have a safety help, safety over the top, and that's going to make our running game even that much more potent and all the underneath stuff to Kelsey. And so we we, we always have noticed that the cheetah is so um, um, so dynamic, but that just pay, plays, uh, play, plays a part in continuing the, the evolution of our wide receiver core because you go from a cheetah with top-end speed to a jet with – amazing outstanding boom speed and now you talk start talking about sammy watkins his experience his athleticism his range uh his catch radius um he has amazingly big strong hands and then after the catch all of these guys usually make the secondary look a little bit embarrassing well sammy's coming back as we know uh and got that contract uh you know, change to help the Chiefs with the salary cap situation. Sammy had the incredible game against Jacksonville. But in the playoffs now, in five playoff games with the Chiefs, 34 targets and 24 receptions. You look what he did in the playoffs last year, 330-plus plays in the playoffs and the Tennessee game, the 60-yard touchdown, the 114-yard catch. We know about beating Richard Sherman in the Super Bowl. But if Sammy Watkins can be – if we just get a little bit of Jacksonville and a whole lot of the postseason (laughs) with Sammy Watkins, look out because there's another level for him. Like you said, availability for the Cheetah – and consistency from Sammy Watkins. Those are the two things. If, if there's a way for this receiving core to even get better, with, with only six yards not coming back, you say, how can this group get better? Number one, like you said, with the Cheetah, right? It, it's, it's being available. And then with Sammy Watkins, like you're saying, it's just creating a consistent uh, contribution week in and week out, but not making sure we don't lose playoff, Sammy. If you give me one or the other, as long as he's available come the postseason to give us that playoff push, that experience, 
and take us over the top. I think that's the most important part. And that's exactly why he came to Kansas City, to be a playoff, uh, big play guy when it mattered the most. And all the kingdom people said, amen. They also said amen to D-Rob coming back. Demarcus Robinson, the sneaky guy uh, on this relay team. When you look at his big play potential, I mean, he had the 172 explosion against Oakland last year in week two. But he will come up with the key plays. D-Rob had a 44-yarder, 43-yarder, 39-yarder. And Demarcus Robinson, too, becomes kind of the underneath guy. He's a perfect complement to the first two guys we talked about. Yeah, D-Rob is very consistent. If you watch him during training camp, I've never seen anybody inches away from a jugs machine catching the ball with only fingertips. He has such strong hands. It makes him such a great possession receiver. And even when he has a couple of drops, I think that's one of the things that's so surprising. He beats himself up. He's such a demanding uh, competitor about his own uh, capabilities. He was probably the only receiver on our roster that could have made that one-handed Air Jordan catch against the Raiders. And in that game, we were fighting back. We were fighting back, and we scored so many points in that second quarter to put that game out of reach. Well, D-Rob's one-handed Air Jordan catch was one of the marquee moments of that game that led to that turnaround. And if there's a guy I'm really excited about for next year, it's McCole Hardman, because I think the upside for him is enormous. You look at what he did last year, though. No 100-yard receiving games, but seven uh, 30-plus catches. And you look at the big plays that he made, not just on scrimmage downs, but the kick return against the Chargers turned that game around 104 yards in Week 17. And then his 58-yard punt return got everything started against uh, on that great comeback against Houston. It was 24 nothing. I'm sorry, when he got a 58-yard kickoff return. But then you look at his play against Baltimore. We had it on the watch party, 83 yards. I mean, you talk about a guy who could go to another level – uh, and route running and understanding and follow that same path as Tyreek Hill. Look what happens if he follows on that same track with the cheetah of what the Jet can do next year and the years beyond. I think that one of the plays that stands out to me and referring back to the cheetahs, when he ran that, that deep stop against the Patriots and went down the sideline and ran away from everybody, we realized when a guy has top in that next level speed and they can kick it into a seventh gear and run away from a defense – we can run stop routes that can score as easily as a go route. So now it adds a whole different demeanor and a whole different philosophy to what you have to guard. You have to guard the deep and you have to guard the stop. And then you bring in McCole Hartman and watch his stop and go capability, his return ability, his ability to make people miss in a small space. Once he uh, um, divides that seam of the defense, like you said, against that Ravens team, when he caught that, that slant and stopped and then took off in a vertical path, there was nobody around that could catch up with him. He ran away from a, a really good Ravens defense. Um, and, and, and that kind of capability allows a whole nother uh, um, set of routes to be added to what can score when you talk about every play has the ability, every play has the ability to be a scoring play when you talk about what the Chiefs are doing on offense. Uh, crazy. Now, another guy I'm excited about is Byron Pringle, who's the fifth of these guys are right who have played last year and got the snaps. What did Pringle do? Makes the big kickoff coverage play in the Super Bowl. He also has the 100-yard receiving game against the Colts, and he saves the day against Detroit. That might be going to overtime. He makes an incredible catch with a tight window, getting a bullet from Mahomes, and takes a shot from the Detroit defensive back and moves forward toward the goal, not backwards. Pringle's got a chance to jump up as well as Hardman, like two notches on this team. 
Man, when you have a fifth guy with that type of tenacity and that type of grit and that type of hunger to get on the field, it can do nothing but push the guys ahead of him to be even better. And so you talk about what is the, the enemy of being a good core is the fear of being great. And what's the enemy of being a great core is the fear of being elite. And we're talking about not on an individual basis, but as a unit. And you're only as strong as the weakest link. And nobody in that room want to be considered a weak link. And so he's working as hard as the top four guys. He's not taking a back seat to anybody. You give him a snap on the field, and Byron Pringle will make big, big um, returns on your dividends. All right, that's a long first quarter of this edition of Defending the Kingdom, looking at the best wide receiver core in the NFL, winning the 4 by one the 4 by 2 and the medley relay uh, to get 30 points in the AFC West track meet. Now we're going to go on the second quarter is what I think Andy Reid requires in these guys and any receiver that plays for him. And I'm going to take these a couple at a time. The All first right. one, two at a time here, every route can be your route. The second one is understand the big picture. Andy Reid is brilliant. When I get a chance to talk to him about the geometry of the game, how he creates triangles and angles to get guys open, I'm like, I mean, who am I talking? This is dude's Einstein. But to get guys to understand the angles of the field, the geometry of the field, and then also understand in this offense with this quarterback, every route is your route. Now, some might think, well, that's just basic. No, it's not. If I call a three, I got a three number route, I got a 243 route Y under, then that means, hey, you're running the two route, you're the second guy, you're running the four route, you're the primary guy on that. Not with this. So as these receivers, every route's your route and understand the geometry of Andy Reid's offense. Yeah, every receiver understands, even if the initial play, the first three steps, the, the first, second, and third read are not available, they have a quarterback who can create extra time um, and not only create extra time, but has an arm big enough to it's an unlimited target. The area when we talk about defenses trying to be top down, most defenses shrink as the play go on and on. As I say, they call it a glue technique. When the quarterback starts to scramble, you find somebody in your area and you start to stick towards them. You want to glue toward them. Well, when you don't have eyes downfield, 30 and 40 yards or you don't have the arm strength to throw at 60 yards it creates a, a, a certain boundary that the defense no longer has to guard. And so they can start coming up, start to uh, uh, shrink the field. When you talk about vertical seams, they shrink the field and start to make it tougher and tougher for you to throw the ball. Mahomes' deep ball is always active. He always has the green light. And so it keeps those deep safeties deep. And that creates those vertical angles and seams for other routes to still start to uncover even when they're not planned to. So you stay alive, you run the routes, you understand the angles, and you also understand who's guarding you in those angles. Um, late in the day, you realize if there's a linebacker trying to glue towards a wide receiver, a slot receiver, well, that's a win for us. And if we give Pat enough time to find that mismatch, to find that uh, um, advantage chief, not only will he make them pay, but he has the accuracy to make it not just a first down, but sometimes a touchdown. All right. The next two characteristics, if you're going to play wide receiver for Andy Reid in this offense, is one, playing with Mahomes. You're catching Max Scherzer, okay, because the arm <laughs> angles are coming from all over the place. Or the next pitch might be Araldus Chapman, because it might be coming at 105 miles an hour. you got to play with the goat. You're drinking goat milk every day because you're with the goat every day. The second part of, uh, I'll get your thought on it, is in Andy Reid's offense, and I've had a lot of talks with him about this, you've got to know all three positions. Well, I'm an X. 
Well, no, I'm a Z or I'm a slot or I'm an you know, F. No, you're all of that. Okay, you've got to understand every position. And that's why having these guys in the continuity where they understand this offense, where Sammy can play an X or a Z, any one of these guys can play any of the positions. What about having – because I'm looking at these young guys. Now we're going to transition after halftime to look at these young guys in this draft. Well, in this offense, you got to play with Mahomes. That means something crazy is going to happen or good, but but you better have your catchers met out. And then two, knowing that you've got to can play all three positions or four. Yeah, and, and playing all four positions is not only knowing what to do when you line up at X or at Y or at Z, but also understanding on a certain route how that route uncovers late in the downs. Because if you don't know how the X and the Y or the X and the Z are, if you don't know what they're doing on the route, then you don't know where your opening is going to be as the Z. And so you have to you have to know what everybody is running. And then you also have to know how that individual receiver, whether it's McCole Hardman, whether it's Sammy Watkins or Cheetah, what is their tendency when a play breaks down? Do they break vertical? Do they break to a sideline? Do they stop in the hole? And does that allow for you to break 15 yards behind? that whole stop or if you know that uh mccall is going to the sideline then you break deep off of him or if you know cheetah is going to go out and up then you run across the field and stop all of those things uh uh work in 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 in, in complementary of one another to create such a dynamic that i think there are some defensive coordinators who would rather us throw the ball get it out of our hands than ever attack and pressure Mahomes because they're so scared of what the entire receiver core does to them once a play does break down. So they try to play super soft, make us throw the ball in front of them, then they have a chance to uh, swarm, attack, try to strip the ball out. Because if you try to get pressure on Mahomes and he gets out of that pocket and extends the play, man, bombing Betty, those deep threats uh, come open. And we know it doesn't matter down and distance, doesn't matter position on the field. The final two, and, and maybe my most favorite non-Chiefs duo receiving would have been Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne of the Colts in the Colts' heyday with Peyton Manning, like late 2000s, because this next category uh, gets me. But these these five guys we talked about fit it. Playing in the two-minute, playing in the red zone, and unselfishness. Think about it. There were four of these five that had 100-yard receiving games. All right, 197 for Sammy, 172 for D-Rub, 140 in the Minnesota game for Tyreek Hill, 103 in the Colt game uh, for uh, Pringle, and Hardman didn't have one, but he had all these great catches in 83-yarder. you got to be unselfish, all right? You aren't going to win the Fantasy League, maybe. That's okay. You're going to win the Reality League and have confetti on your head. And two, you've got to understand, how do I play in the two-minute and how do I play in the red zone? Because I can't sit and stop and go, what are we going to do? Sometimes that is shirts and skins. Man, you got to know how the game situation, it forces you to evolve as a player. You have to know how to handle game situation, big moments. If you're going to be on a, on, a, on, a, on a roster with a quarterback like Mahomes, with a with a, with a with a head coach like Coach Reed, you know you're going to be in some of the biggest games. You're going to be in prime prime time games. You're going to be uh, I mean, the biggest lights, um, not only the playoffs and postseason, but the Super Bowl. It's how you uh, arise and how do you rise up in those moments that are going to signify your, your career. So you talk about how do we get a D-Rob, a guy that everybody thought in free agency was going to hit the market and demand $10 million a year for some team. How do we get that kid to come back and accept to be a role player in this offense. He loves winning. 
He loves the environment of competing for a championship. And you know that that is something that's going to be a part of this team's um, um, present day future um, um, in 2020 and beyond. And so you, you got to value that. You got to value success. I mean, when you talk about being selfless versus selfish, everybody wants targets. Everybody wants the ball thrown to them. But I never wanted targets of the ball thrown at me. I wanted it thrown to me. I want a quarterback that when I'm running full speed can actually hit me in a shoebox window so I can continue to play instead of me running a stop route and then throwing it three yards and making me uh, leading me into a big hit or leading me out of bounds after I run a great route. The accuracy you have with Pat Mahomes, it allows our receivers to have such confidence running their routes. They're not worried about getting big being blown up after a, a big a big catch. They're not worrying about him throwing the ball two or three yards beyond their, their catch radius. Man, the ball is so many times, 90% of the times within their frame of catching that they can just catch it, turn up field, run, get yaks, yards after catch. That is the offense that you sign up to be a part of when you come here and be part of the wide receiver core in Kansas City. I also got to play in the red zone. I got to win in the red zone because if I run a 4-2, that field's now only 30 yards, 20 on in. So that next 10 yards, I'm going to be up in the stands. I can run real fast, but I'm going to be sitting with Weird Wolf or the Lake Lottawana Lake Rats or fake Andy Reid. I got to win now and talk about a tight window. I'm playing arena football now. And so my speed gets neutralized. I still got to win those battles in the red zone with this quarterback. Yeah, the defense, the only chance is to uh, keep you from getting vertical. They have to reroute mirror. We talked about that, you know, in other podcasts. We talked about what makes a DB good is having great feet, being able to mirror, being able to reroute and adjust routes, throw off the timing. Well, in order to be a great receiver, you have to prevent that from happening. You have to be able to win now. And there are certain matchups on the field where Mahomes and the receiver, they know that ball is coming in, in the first second of the down if that guy can create any any window of space for Pat to um, throw that ball in there, it's coming. And so you have to be ready and you have to be ready to win and finish the play um, in, 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 a, in, a, in a positive way. Okay. Long first quarter, long first half, but here's halftime. You know how it is. It's a virtual 12 minutes of a real NFL game in one second. So do your business virtually. There, good. Now we're into the third quarter because now we're going to jump into this draft. And this draft gets crazy with wide receivers. There are a lot of impact players. And I'm my part of my draft analysis next week is the first 15 rounds is who the Chiefs will probably play against because the three-division opponents are going to get some of these guys. And they're good. Uh, and they're fast. And they kind of fit some of the profile of the guys we've talked about that are currently on our team. But I'm going to take the first four and just throw them out there. C.D. Lamb of Oklahoma. We saw him in Big 12 country. Uber competitive dude. Uh, Jerry Judy of Alabama. A great route runner. 24 touchdowns in his last 28 games. A lot of productivity. Harry Ruggs of Alabama reminds me of the Jet. He's got some McCole Hardman in him at 427. And then Justin Jefferson of LSU, who had big productions on that crazy good team. Uh, maybe not elite speed, but he's 443 and good, runs good routes. All four of these guys will start. There could be a potential that three of these guys could be in our division as soon as next year. Yeah, I think there's going to be a um, early run on wide receivers. And I say early, say before the 20th pick, uh, we would like on wide receiver number seven. And that's amazing in such a deep draft in so many positions. You think the seven, maybe eight receivers are all going to go in the first round. Um, but everybody wants those those, those uh, skill players. Everybody thinks that it's time 
time to win now and they're one piece away. They're one Tyreek Hill. They're one Cole Hartman away from having a potent offense. And the thing that most of these teams really don't realize when it comes down to it, the secret in the sauce here in Kansas City it's not just McCoa Hardman. It ain't just Cheetah. It's not Zeus. It's not the running game. It's not our offense. It's a combination of all those ingredients and how they complement one another. And the chef behind all that is Coach Andy Reid. And so if you don't have all those pieces in place and you don't have a GM like, like Brett Veach pulling the street, all those parts on the field together, then who cares if you go out and get just this one piece this, this, this one added addition to your offense that was in the bottom half of the uh, league last year. These guys have some great skill sets, but of the top four receivers, after the third or fourth year, deemed as an elite receiver, and that's because he has to be paired up with a elite quarterback or an elite play, uh, play call like we have here in Kansas City. Yeah, we've seen that happen time and time again throughout the league. Then there's the next group of guys, and this next group of guys, to me, could help dictate the Chiefs' pick if they don't pick a wide receiver at 32, in that a guy like LaVisca Chenault of Colorado, who's kind of jumping up the board. T. Higgins of Clemson's well-known. Iuk of Arizona State just had core surgery. But here's my point and how it it deals with the Chiefs. If teams start to feel like they can get those guys – uh, or possibly get one at 32 with the Chiefs, or even a three-way trade where it gets real tricky, this could affect the Chiefs and the fact that if someone's coveted there, someone may move into the Chiefs position or do a three-way work deal where the Chiefs could trade down perhaps, maybe trade up, but maybe trade down and get extra picks because of what happens before the Chiefs pick and especially in those 10 to 12 picks right before the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I see. I mean, it's, it's, it's really only two scenarios that happen for the Chiefs. Either there's a great offensive lineman or, or a, a, a great defensive lineman or cornerback that falls in our lap at 32, who we thought was a top. And the value on that player is so ridiculous, you just have to take him. Or the draft kind of plays out and, and, and 30 of the top 30 guys go. And there are teams calling our phone, calling up the Chiefs. Hey, man, we, we got a guy we're targeting. We got to get him. And Brett Beach is sitting there with eight different guys he would like. And it doesn't matter. They all had great value, whether it's a wide receiver, cornerback, offensive tackle, whoever it is. He has eight of them he wouldn't mind having. And he trades down five or six spots and gains two picks. If we can continue to do that, the, 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 the middle of our roster can be so – has so much depth. And so much playability when it comes to affecting the special teams and and other and and, and depth to prevent injuries because we saw that was the one thing that amazingly we was able to rebound after missing a hundred plus quarters from our starters we had depth to be able to 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 to, to stem the tide and and consistently play uh, a, a top level football even without some starters what this allows us to do because we have no uh, points of need we have no holes to fill. We can just sit and wait and let the draft really fall into your lap. And you can walk away after three days of drafting high character, valuable pieces, guys that can compete on the special teams, add value to the depth of the O-line, uh, be a third or fourth corner, a nickel. And you, it's so many different ways this can turn out. But it always turns out in our favor because we don't have any pressing needs. That's the beautiful thing about um, being having a re- wide receiver core coming out that are, 
I mean, I'm going almost 15 deep before I get yeah. to the guy at Notre Dame that I love, Claypool. Yeah. And, and the thing about getting him in day three, day four, I mean, to get him in the third or fourth round, I mean, he's a, he's, he, he's, a, he's a guy to get on the field right now and be a red zone beast. And you think about adding that just three, four snaps a game to an already elite offense, just another different piece of the puzzle that can make this offense from being great to elite. And there's other guys, too. Denzel Mims of Baylor, uh, Jalen Rager of TCU, two Big 12 guys that we saw in our area, K.J. Hamler, Penn State, Pittman of USC. His dad played in the NFL. You already mentioned uh, Claypool. There's Davis of Central Florida, Edwards. Of, I mean, there's, there's a bunch. The South Carolina kid is interesting, Byron Edwards, too. But here's – and looking at those guys, and I'm not going to say any one specific guy, but a lot of these college systems, these guys are running two routes. Yeah. It's almost like they're running a nine and then maybe a post. But it's not. I don't see tons of crossing patterns or choice routes because a lot of them are spreads, and I'm just going to throw it up there and you go get it. That's why I'm saying if you've got to look at these guys and try to see what, because we just went through in the second quarter what Andy Reid wants in a receiver, and that means multiplicity of things and learn how to run every route tree. That means running routes, getting open, how to understand angles. And a lot of these guys were good college players, but depending on the pro system they go to, it could be a deeper learning curve than maybe people think. And that's why you see the the the, the hidden jewel in a Mike Pittman Jr. because you know he comes from a football family. You know yep. his dad has been talking to him up and down the board because he was such a great receiving threat for the Arizona Cardinals all those years. Um, he knows the scout. He knows the passing tree. He knows complementary routes. He knows how to finish through the whistle. Uh, he knows how important it is to uh, line up and be 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 100% on all your checks, hot routes, hot reads, all those things that some guys in college struggle with because they haven't had to do it. You know he'll come into the league and be a a, a, a special teams beast when it talks about being a gunner or being a cover guy. Um, so his value, even though you know in the rankings he might be ranked nine or ten, when it comes to coming in and starting right away and getting a guy who you can actually uh, expect something big out of. Um, his his football IQ is probably off the chart when you talk about the wide receiver group. And so the fourth quarter of this discussion, and we'll make it quick here, really the two-minute warning, is the fact that one thing I really like about Andy Reid, Brett Veach, the entire infrastructure of the Chiefs football side is that they will never look at just one single year. It was interesting, Brett Veach, earlier today in his new conference, and he and I have talked about this in private conversations too, is he's looking at 2020, 2021, 2022, 23, because you got the GOAT, right? The GOAT's going to be around a while. So in this draft, people kind of have a tendency to put like blinders on it and think just to the 2020 draft. Now, I use wide receiver in this discussion because why would you take a wide receiver? We just talked about they got the best crew in the NFL. They're all young. These guys, this isn't Larry Fitzgerald at the end of his career. These guys are all hitting their prime. Why would you take another one? Because... You're looking at a pace, maybe a crockpot guy who 21, 22, 23 becomes uh, our next Sammy Watkins or somebody like that. So I love this franchise and the way Brett Veach does business and his whole crew. And Andy thinks this way, too, is it's not just about now. It's also about the future, especially with Mahomes at quarterback. And that's what every great franchise is going to do. That, that is the one thing, the common thread between um, just winning one year and being a one-and-done type organization and being a, 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 a having a legacy, having a destiny, having a, a, a dynasty, let's say, uh, over a 10-year span is you have to be thinking 
three and four years down the line. You have to be drafting um, young depth because, you know, as players enter their contract years, they get into their fifth year, they get into their sixth year, the dollars, the way the cap is structured, um, they're going to de- be demanding some bigger contracts. And you can't pay a quarterback $40 million and you're, you're both uh, tackles $15 million and you're running back and you're tight end. 50- There's not enough 15 million contracts to go around <laughs> to stay competitive. So you have to get some some, some top-level talent on young deals, on rookie deals and your rookie contracts. And so the one thing that we know about Coach Andy Reid is he's always sent guys to other organizations with a blessing. Hey, man, come here and play hard as you can. If you ball out for our team and other teams want you and they want to give you uh, um, top dollar to play beyond what we can really um, afford to pay you, we're not going to hate on that. We're going to bless you. We're going to send you among your way. We're going to cheer for you when you're not playing us. But we always got to be, like you say, we always got to be investing some some ingredients and some some pieces into that crock pot, looking for that next breakout player. Um, and you miss that if you only thinking about the now and you're not drafting for value and you're not drafting for the future. Brett Beach does an awesome job, his entire staff, uh, of preparing that board um, and sticking to that board and making sure they keep this organization uh, running as a as a champ on a championship level. All right. We'll close it out, but I appreciate your backdrop there, the O'Shawn Barber. <laughs> ready to unleash it. Uh, hey, that's who they need to draft. That's who they need to draft with the, with the uh, last pick, the seventh round pick. Come on, get, get that Sean Barber kid out of University of Richmond. Let's go Spiders. Yeah, and since we don't have a seventh round pick, that's a, probably a pretty good idea. We'll just keep it that way. <laughs> and the other thing I would say is 59, that's a good number. Donnie Edwards, we're going to post an interview I did with Donnie, who who preceded you in wearing that number. Uh, I think we're going to get that posted maybe tomorrow in the next couple of days. It's phenomenal what what Donnie Edwards is doing for World War II veterans. I mean, it's amazing. You'll want to see it. And then Reggie Ragland now is a Detroit Lions, so 59 is wide open. So that first-round draft pick we take, if it's a linebacker, we may give him 59, brothers, so get ready. Oh, we got and it's, it's some good ones that might be available between Patrick Queen and uh, uh, the Murray kid out of Oklahoma. Both of those guys are, um, and they might fall. Like I said, with all the skill position and quarterbacks and receivers, corner, all these other positions being taken, if one of those guys are available at 32, like I said, a top 20 value falls to your lap at 32, um, that would be a great addition to this defense. Hey, if there's Murray Queen or Zach Bond sitting there, you would give him 59, and I'll give him my JV track warm-up uh, from the JV when I ran the second leg of the 4 by 2 Thanks, Barbershop. Next week, we're going to take a week off from the Defending Kingdom podcast because we're going to be all about the draft. And just check it out on Chiefs.com. Uh, we got some awesome draft ideas coming up next week. We're going to load you up, and then once draft day hits, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're going to be all over it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Shop, stay home, stay safe, take care of that one-room schoolhouse you got. It's a little house on the prairie with Sean Barber. And uh, <laughs> folks in the kingdom, uh, continue to pray up and we'll get through this. But thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week for the draft. This is the Chiefs' official podcast network. Oh.